Welcome to this week's Recappers presented by Sports Pub, where we break down the most recent tournament. The bets we made, the bets you should have made. This week's tournament is the Masters. Hideki Matsuyama at plus 4,000 shoots a final, final round 73 to win the 2021 Masters Tournament. The first Asian male golfer to win a major championship. It's the 85th edition of the tournament. 85 years for a Japanese citizen to win a major tournament. That's huge. He finished at minus 10 for a total score of 278, one shot ahead of a guy without his tour card, Will Zalatoris. And he came into the final round with a four-shot lead. And from a betting perspective, he was about betting even, even with a four-shot lead coming into the final. It's pretty crazy because things can happen on Sunday, especially they, they say... The tournament doesn't start until the second nine at Augusta National. Not the back nine. Not the back nine. The second nine nine. on Sunday at Augusta National. And sure enough, we thought he was going to run away with it. He looked like he was going to run away with it. And he almost gave it away because Xander Shoffley came on pretty strong there. Four straight birdies for Xander on the back really made this thing interesting on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and then he dunks it in the water, not in the hole, but in the water on 16 and ends up with a triple bogey, and then it kind of let Hideki cruise it in from there. He finishes at 10 under par. Only one by one. Only one by one. He pulled a very Hideki Matsuyama move and missed the pretty short putt for par on 18, which has been kind of his kryptonite. He's a great ball striker, but then tapped it in for the win to beat Will Zalatoris by one. How fun was that, though? It was an amazing tournament all week. I mean, the weather held out. I thought Saturday might just get completely rained out, but luckily it was a quick storm that rolled through. It was competitive pretty much all weekend until Saturday afternoon when Hideki started running away with things. But that even that was... A great round to watch. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. The ball striking with him has always been phenomenal. He struggled a little bit off the tee. He actually didn't hit a lot of fairways on Saturday, but he scrambled better than anyone all week. I think he finished number one in scrambling. He was number one going into Sunday, and he made a lot of birdies, and that's what you need to do at Augusta National. That back nine, there's a lot of opportunities to make birdies and eagles. He had three eagles, one each day. Uh, in the first three rounds, he did not have one on Sunday, but he he took it down, and uh, it's pretty amazing to see that he is the first Asian male golfer to win a major. Obviously, of course, the first Japanese on top of that, and in a culture, in a, in a country that is huge into golf. I mean, massive. They have, outside of the United States, this country, a much smaller country, has the second most golf courses of one country in the world. So it's like 30 times less the size of the United States, but has the second most golf courses. Yeah. It's, it's a big part of their culture. They love golf. They've wanted this for a long, long time. They did have two women win major championships, uh, back in 1977, Chaco Higuchi won the 1977 LPGA championship. And then a few, two years ago, Hinako, Shibuno won the 2019 Women's British Open. Those were the two major championships that that country had, both on the women's side, but now they've got their male uh, uh, Masters champion, major champion. He will be going to Augusta every year 
for the rest of his life to enjoy all the benefits of that. Pretty amazing. It was incredible. I mean, they were saying yesterday he's probably going to end up lighting the Olympic torch for the Olympics this year. This dude, he was already a celebrity, obviously, in Japan. And, and it's a culture that um, reveres people that have excellence, that are amazing at what they do. And he just became, he, he might be the most popular, He I guarantee he's the most popular person in Japan today, but he might be for a long time. Him and Shohei Otani are going to be battling that out for the next decade. Yeah, I mean, the, you're a big baseball guy, so you know that well. Um, he's an impressive base, baseball player. You look back when they had Ichiro come over to the U.S. and play baseball and the popularity that he had, not just in Japan, but even here in the United States. And I think Hideki's a little bit unique. He's he's a little quiet. You know, We don't know a lot about him. I don't know. I, I think that doesn't really matter in Japan. I think the fan base here in the U.S. may not be quite as big. It may not have been the most popular win for the Americans yesterday. We might have wanted to see Mr. Spieth come back and, and take Especially that one. Especially you. I would have loved that um, finan- well, financially. Financially, Hideki seemed to work out pretty well for you yesterday. Yeah, we'll talk As about that out. in a bit. I uh, I had some really good things happen to me yesterday. Actually, really, I kind of sealed it up on Saturday, but we'll get to that in a, a little, little foreshadowing bit. foreshadowing for you well, all. Let, let's talk a little bit more about popularity of Hideki and golf in Japan. I heard on the broadcast on this golf channel, uh, I think it was probably Saturday night, maybe Sunday morning, that they think that this, like a Masters win, a major championship, I guess particularly the Masters, could mean a billion dollars in like value to Hideki over his lifetime. What do you think about that? Do you think that's accurate? I think it's accurate if he wants to go get it. This goes back to what you said about him being more quiet, and he's more quiet compared to the Americans, uh, especially a few yesterday that were throwing the language around pretty pretty loosely. Mm. But if he wants to go get it, I think it's out there for him to get the billion dollars. It's just matters. It's just a matter of if he wants to focus on growing his brand, which is very American, <laughs> or if he wants to focus on winning another major. I think that he can do both, and I actually don't think he needs to try very hard to monetize. Why do you say that? It's. I actually interviewed for a job for the PGA Tour in 2012, I think, so almost 10 nine or ten years ago, and back then, Ryo Ishikawa was the Japanese golfer that everybody was talking about. It had been going on for a few years, and I interviewed over at the tour in kind of like a media division over there, and they were talking about, one guy asked me in an interview, he's like, you realize how something like how popular Ryo Ishikawa is? I'm like, yeah, I know he's really popular. He goes, how about... He is more. Po- he was more popular. Like if you look at his re- like TV ratings overall, like they had some sort of measurement of popularity in Japan. He was more popular in Japan than Tiger Woods was in the United States in Tiger Woods' prime. This is like not 2012, but like 2008, 2009, 2006, 2007. Somewhere he was in still the biggest name in sports he at was, that point for the most. He part. was a bigger name than Tiger Woods was. That's crazy. Which blows our mind. Like, I was like, are you kidding me? And they're like, here's the numbers. Like, TV ratings and all these different things they had. It was unbelievable. And now, he was, though, somebody that kind of enjoyed the fame. He dressed a little differently. Kind of embraced it. 
And but he never really did anything. He didn't really. He I don't think he won on the tour. He's still hang, hanging around here and there. He pops up every once in a while in some some tournaments. But he he never really kind of capitalized on quality golf play. He just kind of made a bunch of money in marketing. I think that even if going back to Matsuyama, I think even if he doesn't try very hard, he'll. I think the billion dollars is totally right within the reason. I'd love to see it for him. I mean, he seems he seems like a great guy and probably one of the most talked about things of the Masters was how his caddy went out and bowed to the course when returning the last flag stick. Probably one of the most iconic moments we're going to see from the Masters in the next 20 years. I know it's interesting because he you know, he's the caddy, he's not even the golfer, but it was an awesome moment. I think it shows a lot about Japanese culture and the reverence they have for people and for things for apparently golf courses for beauty for beauty for moments you know I, I thought that was really cool the cameras caught it well there's some awesome pictures of it and you're right I think that 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 image will be around for a long time as, it, as one of the representative images of the first Asian to win a major championship it was great it was so much fun to watch this week the Masters app or the Masters website where you could watch Pretty much anybody you wanted all weekend long. Great coverage through that. I wish they would have probably gone to TV a little bit earlier on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, streaming with kids in the house can get complicated. But other than that, it was it was just a great weekend for watching the Masters. One other thing about Hideki that it's kind of, he's almost like a, an enigma, I would say. Like somebody that you just, you don't know a lot about this guy. And it's, it's interesting because now... We, we're looking, we're, you know, we're doing our research last night and then this morning, like, we know who Hideki is, he's got a place, he lives in Orlando, he splits his time between Orlando and Japan, you saw no family there when he finished the round, it was some friends, some people, part of his core team, but, you know, he was married, he's married, got married in January of 2017, he's got a kid, a daughter that was born in July of 2017, and he drives a minivan. I did hear that. I think, I don't know where I heard that, but apparently the dude drives a minivan when he's at home. <laughs> he might be one of my favorite, as a, as a dad that's also a golfer, seeing the um, current Masters champ driving a minivan might might be the highlight of my life if I ever caught a glimpse of that. And you know, we saw last week they had the Augusta National Women's Amateur. It was kind of a foreshadowing of maybe what was to come Yesterday. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. They actually had Tsubasa Kajitani of Japan win the Augusta National Women's Amateur. The the lady that she beat, I think it's her name's like Migliacci or whatever. She she's a Wake Forest uh, golfer, which is also interesting because Will Zalatoris, who came in second, is another Wake Forest guy. So we had Japan on top in the women's and the men's events, and Wake Forest folks right behind them. Pretty cool. It's really cool. The perfect foreshadowing. Yeah. Let's let's go to the rest of the field a little bit because this was this was still a pretty stacked field, even though Hideki ran away with it a little bit on the weekend. You mentioned Will Zalatoris, second place in his first ever Masters. He was at plus sixty six hundred going into the tournament. He's been playing really well the last few months. He's had six top tens since the U.S. Open, which was you know because of the pandemic was played in September last year. He's had nine top 20s within that span, too. That's incredible. He's playing some unbelievable golf. But this was really the first one that he 
kind of had a shot of winning. And he said that yesterday in his post-round interview. Like, this is the first time he really had a shot to do it. Um, he held up strong. I mean, he looked good all the way through the 18th hole on Sunday. You never really saw him waver. He does have quite a few wins in the Corn Ferry Tour, which do you think that helps? I think it does. It it, it gives him experience uh, to feel to know that he can win. I think that winning on the PGA Tour is in, is entirely different than the Corn Ferry, but. The competition on the Corn Ferry is stiff. It's very, very difficult to win there. Obviously more difficult to win on the PGA Tour, but this guy, he doesn't even have a PGA Tour card right now. He's He got he basically got the opportunity to be playing in these tournaments because of the U.S. Open. The way the U.S. Open did the field last year, because of the pandemic, they couldn't do the local qualifying so, guys, they had to kind of modify. It really wasn't a U.S. Open. It was more of a U.S. Invitational because he was in the top, I think, 15 on the Corn Ferry Tour. He got in to the U.S. Open. And what does he do? He finishes tied sixth. Tied for sixth. So what does that mean? He gets more opportunities to play in events, and he just kept playing his way into the PGA Tour events. He's I now won enough money that he will lock up his card for next year. But guess what? If he does not win a tournament in this season, he won't get into the FedEx Cup. How is that playoff? Possible? It's crazy. The guy's top 50 in the world. He's playing every week on tour right now. I know he's in this coming week as well. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he's, he's going to play this week in Hilton Head. But he's not going to, unless he wins a tournament, he's not going to be in the playoff. Should the PGA get out of their own way? And make it be, especially with the pandemic. So if it hadn't been for the pandemic, he probably would have had his tour card this year. Should they get out of their own way and make an exemption because of it? No. Why not? Are no. you crazy? <laughs> no. Why would you change the rules? Why? Because there are rules. Is rules. It's the same. It's the same argument we have over moving your ball when there's it's in a divot in the fairway. Yeah, I think that. Dude, would I want them to bend the rule for this guy? Yes. Uh, should they bend the rule for this guy? Yes. Are they going to bend the rule for this guy? No. Do I really think they should bend the rule for this guy? No. I, I'm saying they should, but they they really shouldn't. Like they have these rules have been in place for a long time. You, it, his time will come. It just kind of shows how stupid the FedEx Cup is a little bit though, and how you know it's a little bit newer. It's it's like. They, it's it's a fabricated playoff system to try to keep people engaged in golf at the end of the year to make it seem like it's a major championship. But really, the players only care about the money. So, I don't know. I think it's... I would equate it to, in baseball, when you call players up in September. You have September call-ups. And if a young stud dominates, then he doesn't get to play in the, in the play. If he pushes you to a playoff run, he doesn't get to play. If baseball did that, people would go insane. Why can't golf learn from, hey, a guy can come up late and dominate and then make a playoff run? I don't know. I just don't. I just Other don't, sports I don't do think it. they should. I think it needs to be objective, not subjective. And in this case, in order for it to make it happen, you'd have to be very subjective. And just because one guy is a, an anomaly, it really is, comes up and, and does this, and I don't think they should That's change That's why the you rule. change your archaic rules. You get out of your own Actually way. Actually, not that archaic. The FedEx Cup hasn't been around that long. Yeah, but it's made by old, old grouchy white men. 
probably need to get out of their own way to make golf more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it would be better for the tour if he was playing in the FedEx Cup playoffs, for sure. Such a great story. You know, I think with his exposure that he got this week, you're going to start seeing a lot of Will Zalatoris fans. <laughs> a lot more than what we've seen over the last couple of months. You're going to see a lot more attention on this guy. His looks got a lot of attention this week. He's about as wiry as you can be. Hits the ball almost as far as Bryson. So I, I used this analogy with you earlier. It's kind of like a one-on-one game between Muggsy Bogues and Shaq. So it's fun to watch that juxtaposition because he's bombing the ball out there 320, 330 all week while weighing maybe 110 pounds and looking exactly like Happy Gilmore's caddy. Yeah. I mean, it's all about creating speed, and he clearly has a way of doing that, and it's it's pretty amazing. And there were a lot of funny jokes about what he looked like. I heard some bird references, like Big Bird. I heard all sorts of stuff, um, but I think the best one was uh, Happy Gilmore's caddy. That's pretty funny. Sandler tweeted out something to him yesterday morning, and he had a great response last night, like, hey, if you ever need me back on your bag, I'm ready to be there. It's awesome. I love I love that personality. I mean, he's going to be great for the game for a long time to come. Here's something that's crazy to think about. I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. You realize, so Zalatoris is young. He's actually quite young. He's 24 years old. What you if want, he was born whenever Happy Gilmore came out? Probably not. I don't know. I guess he, uh, it'd, be, it'd be close. Um, here's what's crazy to think about. Jordan Spieth is only three years older than Will Zalatoris, doesn't it? And Spieth has been around forever. He obviously did a di- went a different route. He went to Texas and left early to turn professional. Made his way onto the PGA Tour, by the way, but won a tournament, so he actually secured his card during the season yeah. automatically. A little bit different. But, yeah, Spieth's only three years older than Will Zalatoris. It's nuts. So JT's probably not that much older either because they, they're about the same age. Correct. That's so... A guy that kind of fell apart, peaked too soon, is uh, Justin Rose. Shot a 65 on Thursday, primarily on the back, should I say, the second nine. Thank you for correcting that. You're welcome. He was two over to start and then just went on a birdie streak and then didn't do jack Friday through Sunday. I mean, he hung in there. It's hard to to hold on to such a big lead like he had early into the tournament. But that first round was unbelievable. I mean, he was almost, he was over nine shots better than the average that day. That's nuts. He had a four-shot lead. Hideki was tied for second with Brian Harmon at three under um, after Rose's 65. Only 12 players broke par that day. But, yeah, it's really hard to win a tournament wire to wire, let alone the Masters. I mean, are you kidding me? Think about all that can happen. We talk about on the second nine at the Masters, especially on Sunday. Um, kind of shows you how impressive it was for Hideki to hold on because he kind of was in the same position after Saturday. But, yeah, Rose, I think he – we really haven't seen a lot out of him lately. He's been struggling, uh, maybe dealing too much with sponsor, doing commercials and different things for Morgan Stanley. That's guaranteed money. He's changed clubs. He had that Hanma deal. He's gone away from that. He's all over the place with his sponsorships. Uh, you see every, like, I feel like every other commercial has him in it when you watch the Golf Channel or any coverage on the weekend. Um, I don't know. Do you think he's back? Do you think, like, this no. is... No, I mean, I think... I kind of put him in the same category as Kuchar, where you're going to see two to three tournaments a year 
where they compete to win, possibly eke out a win each year, but you're not going to see him rattle off three wins in a season. I don't know that he can still win a major with all the young guns out there. Maybe maybe one more major in his future, but I don't think he's back. I think there's another major in there for him. I don't think he's back, but I do think when he when and I do think he will get back, he'll be contending for majors like he was this weekend, and he'll clip at least one more off. I do think that. He's such a good ball striker. The putting has gotten better. He seems to be putting better than he had for um, some time, and I do think he'll win another major. I just don't know when it will be. So speaking of people being back, I want to talk about people that were not there this weekend. DJ, who was the odds-on favorite, Rory at plus 1,600, and Cantlay at plus 2,000, all three missed the cut. And this is a tournament with a very small cut. Over 60% of the players end up playing the weekend. And these three guys who are in the top 10 favorites to win, all three were watching from their hotel rooms or the back of a club, <laughs> depending on which one it is. <laughs> I think DJ, DJ to me wasn't extremely surprising. Missing the cut, that, that's, that is pretty surprising. I didn't think he was going to play well, but I didn't think he would miss the cut. Rory... Really not, I, not. It is a little surprising. I know how Rory's really been struggling. He's got some really bad misses in his bag right now. He's got this left miss that you know he hit it into a pool. Yeah, which you can relate to. You I usually can. hit the house, but maybe not the pool. Well, I mean, it usually comes off the roof and then rolls down. In yeah. The pool. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, missing the cut. I don't mean. I'm not shocked that Rory missed the cut, though he pretty much plays well there every year. I don't know. It just this course is built for Rory, and it was not this weekend. Cantlay. A lot of people were talking about Cantlay. I had some like folks that I talked betting with, my golf buddies. You people were kind of saying like, "Oh, Cantlay. You know, he could he could win this thing." Not a lot of people are talking about him. I really just didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't think he'd miss the cut, but I don't know. He's just. I had. I just didn't think he was going to contend this week and sure enough he didn't have the chance to he did not dj was just he looks he looks like he's i mean granted his emotions are usually pretty flat he looks even more disengaged than i've seen him in the last three years i i've got i don't know i've got some theories about him he he won obviously in the fall the masters right right very different tournament correct very different he's he's played well at augusta like it's no surprise that he finally got one, got a right. green jacket. But he did it on a golf course that was not the same golf course that we saw this week and that we see in the spring. Correct. The greens were not at trampoline level like they were for Thursday and Friday this week. Correct. Much softer golf course in the fall. Um, but, there, you know, he, he's been a little weird. He, he didn't play well in the match play. He got knocked out in the pool play. He commits to the Valero Texas Open, and then he backs out like a couple of days later. I just think there's something going on with him, not just in the swing, but personal. I don't know what it is. I've heard from some people that there may be some things going on. No details, just kind of whatever. Take it take it for what you think. He's already – hasn't he said that he's not going to play in the Olympics? Yes. He said he's not interested in playing in the Olympics. Right. And I heard – that drug testing begins for the Olympics in like <laughs> the next few weeks. So maybe he's just trying to get ahead of that. So I'm not saying anything, <laughs> but who knows? Th there could be some things going on behind the scenes 
that we don't know about. For, for a guy that did not play Saturday or Sunday, he looked exhausted yesterday at the uh, jacket ceremony. I wonder if he flew home and came back or if he stayed in Augusta. I, I was thinking about trying to dig into that a little bit, but I wonder if he stayed in Augusta. That's a good question. He's got the funds to fly jet home and jet back. It's really not that hard to get to Jupiter from Augusta when you've got a private jet. Right. There's an airport really close to Augusta that these guys fly into a lot. There was a uh, big story this weekend on Billy Horschel, who is a local guy that I love to root for because he's full of fire. He took it to another level this weekend. <laughs> he fell on the 13th hole on Saturday. Uh, hits it into... The creek in front of the green on 13, going for the green in two. The ball was actually fully submerged. So sometimes I've heard the rule is like if the ball is halfway submerged, you're pretty safe hitting it out of there like a bunker shot. But it was fully submerged, but but there was like it wasn't like in deep water. So he felt like he could get it out. So he takes off his, you, you know, we all saw it, takes off his shoes, rolls up his pants legs and then proceeds to fall down the hill <laughs> and get a big grass stain on his uh, rear end. White pants were a poor choice that day. Very poor choice. It was pretty funny to see him like ask Phil Mickelson, like, is, is there a stain on here? <laughs> um, that was a good, it was funny. But then like the, on Sunday, he had this complete meltdown. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. He, he started melting down on Saturday because I was, I wasn't following him on the masters.com until I saw a few things come out. That guy, it's like he got off a shrimp boat and went to play golf because the uh, sensors were not able to keep up with the stuff <laughs> Billy was throwing around. It was fantastic to watch since my kids weren't around. The hot mic. Yeah. I love the hot mic. The hot mic caught him all weekend. I mean, for me, I like seeing something a little different like that every now and then. Like I said, if my kids are in the room, I would not have wanted to watch that. But it was for me, I had a lot of fun watching him lose it. It's pretty entertaining. It's pretty entertaining. I, I I wasn't really a huge Billy Horschel fan. Maybe if you asked me, I don't know, 10 years ago, seven years ago, he just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But in the honestly, it's been within the last couple months that I've started to appreciate him more. I respect his game. He's a great He's a phenomenal golfer. He's won the FedEx Cup. The guy's set for life. I think the only thing really he hasn't done is get a major. You know, that if, if there's one thing he probably wants more than anything, it's a major. But the fire is <laughs> I've started to warm up to it and like he's he gets fired up about everything. Yes. Like it can get really angry, but even just the way he his pre shot routine, the way he approaches the game of golf is very intense. He does everything with intensity and I'm starting to kind of like it. It's pretty funny to watch. For the next time we've got a chance where we can watch whatever play you want, player you want, similar to the Masters or the players, you're going to want to watch Billy Billy play just because of the the fire that he has. He did issue an apology for it as he just took over as the uh, brand ambassador for basically junior golf across the United States. <laughs> Last week, probably not the best week to uh, not be able to have your round in front of kids, but he issued an apology last night. But either way, I'm, I still enjoy watching him play. Absolutely. From a betting perspective, things we talk about, Matthew Wolf, who was going to miss the cut by a lot, yep, ended up taking a DQ. I know you had bet Matthew Wolf to miss the cut. Mm -hmm. How did that impact your bet? Yeah, I looked it up. So I I don't know if like different betting services how they handled it, but the the service that I use, which maybe is not as widely available, I did actually get to cash that ticket 
which okay. is pretty good. So, because uh, I was going to be mad, you know, if you think about it, he's going to miss the cut, and then he signs a scorecard that had a wrong score, a lower score on 17 than his actual score. Which um, he still would have missed the cut. Yeah, he would have wrote negative eight on the scorecard for 17, and he still was going to miss the cut. Yeah, he could have put, like, a hole in one on 17, and he would have, yeah, he, he still would have missed the cut. I think, you know, obviously he made a mistake, signed it, probably was trying to get out of there, get in the gas up the jet and get out of the town and wasn't paying close attention because, you know, his his playing competitor wrote the score down, but he, his it's his responsibility to check it, and he probably just gl- signed it and left, and he got disqualified for it. So I can empathize with that. If I was going to – if I missed the cut, had a really bad weekend at the Masters, and I'm trying to get out of there, I can see myself missing a number. And this coming from a guy that – is an accountant. Like I could, I could see my temper getting ahead of me on this. Mm-hmm. It cost him ten grand. Having said that, we had the technological ability to watch every shot from every player all weekend long, and these guys are keeping each other's score on paper. Yeah. How? Speaking of archaic rules, where do you stand on this one? I think that there should. I think you kind of have to keep. It where they keep their score because there's times when you watch even those live coverage where it's every shot. I know they did it at the players, they do it at the masters, they don't do it for every tournament, so you can't necessarily keep track of all these things. But when they do have that live coverage, they sometimes mess up, they don't know what this player's score on the hole is because they don't know if the ball was in a hazard off the tee or, or like they see it, but they don't. And the person in the truck trying to keep track of everything misses things sometimes. But what they could do is have somebody walking. Well, they have ev- people well, walking they do. With, with them. A scorer walking with every group that could keep track of everything. But ultimately, I think the playing the player needs to sign off on that even. So what if that person messes up? I think they do it hole by hole. It's easy. It's like you and I were playing golf. What would you get in that last hole? I pull out my abacus and I add up to 12 or 13, whichever it is. Yeah. And then, then you write it down. I don't think it should be any different either at the professional level or the junior level for the most part, because it, I know we both play junior golf. There's somebody following your group the whole time. Mm-hmm. We have technology now to where you can have an app where it can link up the tournament. They could, you can have a score with each group who's an adult or a parent. Mm-hmm. You guys all agree on the score after the hole, you tee off in the next hole. Yeah. I think there's probably a better way to do it is basically what we're – we both agree on that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, and, and also, like, the fact that he gets disqualified for it, not that it matters, like, he wasn't going to make the cut, it doesn't matter. They pay ten grand, which is weird that you get actually paid to miss the cut in the Masters. They pay ten grand to those guys. It doesn't – that money doesn't matter to them. But should you disqualify the guy because he accidentally signed a card? Like, was there an intention for him to cheat? No, there was no cheating. He didn't mean to do it. Like, let's just say, hey, oh – we made a mistake. Let's fix it. Let's put a five instead of a four and move on. Like, just change the score. It's not a big deal. Agreed. It, 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 does he lose FedEx Cup points for that, or would he not have made it if he missed the cut? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. I don't think there are FedEx Cup points for missing the cut. Are there? Oh, I need to look that up. Yeah. There weren't many. He was in near. He was way down there. Honestly, I'm just overjoyed that we finally agreed on one of the archaic rules that needs to change. So I mean, you know, this is, this is a banner day for me. So he's probably just trying to get out of there. You know, it was interesting. I saw Max Homa, who missed the cut, was hanging around. He there was pictures of him walking around on Saturday, Sunday, watching the tournament in person. He stuck around. It was pretty cool. 
I saw him. I saw a, a lot of guys that stuck around. One famous football player, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, was walking around with his shirt unbuttoned to his belly button for the most part, which I'm surprised the Masters guy let him get away with. Holding court the entire time, and which I, I like to see professional athletes get out there and uh, start hanging out with kids. Let's talk about how your bets did this week. I did really well this week. You did really well this week. Uh, so... I had uh, a hand. I usually pick four guys to win each week, like put four bets. They're low dollar amounts. But, and I did that. I did, I had four guys. I actually had six guys this week because back in February, I remember I spoke about I had a $20 ticket on Speeth, which is more than I normally bet. I usually do $5 bets for winners. I had a $20 ticket on Speeth at plus 4,500 from February. So I'm like, okay, I need this. Spieth's in contention. I would love for him to win. He obviously didn't. None of my winner bets hit, but they all played pretty well. I had a lot of tickets that were in contention. This is why we talk about not putting all your money on winner bets, or I actually very little money on winner bets because it's so stinking hard to hit. Yeah, I had Corey Connors at plus seven thousand. I had Spieth at forty five plus forty five hundred. I had Justin Thomas at plus eleven hundred. Rom at plus eleven hundred. I had the Siwoo bet at plus 10,000 that I put in in February. Kind of just, I don't know why I did that, but he actually played pretty well. Did. Um, so I had a lot of these winner bets out there, but I got bailed out big time, baby, because my friend emails me on Wednesday afternoon and says, hey, you want to get into this master's pool? It's $20 for uh, per entry. It usually has a pretty good pot. I was like, yeah, let me let me take a look at it. So here were the rules. You pick three top 35 in the official world golf ranking. Pick three of them. And then you get two other guys that are in the field but outside the top 35. So you get five golfers. I picked Hideki Matsuyama, believe it or not. Jordan Spieth, who's outside the top 35. Justin Thomas, top 35. John Rahm, top 35. And Corey Connors. Think about that. That was a good pick. I won. I won the whole freaking thing, dude. Won the whole thing. Matsuyama and Rom had to be the biggest. Because Rom shot, what, like 98 under on Sunday? Yeah, Rom lit it up. Shot 66 on Sunday. Between him and Mat- So you put $20 in. I how put much, $20 in. How much you walk away with? Over $3,500. <laughs> yes. There were 238 entries. You could actually put more than one entry in. I only put one in because I was like, I, I was like busy. It's, you know. We're very busy last week trying to get a bunch of content out, different things. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let me put 20 bucks in. I'll do one entry. I won it. I was in first place actually on Saturday night because there were only three guys in the whole thing, in 238 entries, guys or girls, that had Hideki Matsuyama as part of their lineup. So I knew that I could, as long as Hideki won, at worst, I was going to do third place because the way they calculated the winner was total earnings so like you know Hideki made over two million dollars that counted as two million dollars so I needed the total of my five golfers I was also the only one that picked Hideki and had all five guys make the cut oh so I was in good shape one guy had Patrick Reed that was scaring me a little bit another guy had Spieth and Connors along with me but my other two guys had made the cut and one he had a guy that missed a cut so I was looking pretty good, and sure enough, Hideki wins, and I win. So I love betting in those pools. Yeah. And for those of you out there, I was texting James as Xander was coming on. Might have been, might have been poking the bear a little bit. Yeah, one guy, <laughs> one guy had Hideki and Xander, and I was like, "You better not win 
Xander because I'm I wouldn't win at that point. No. And a lot I would have got I probably would have got passed by a lot of other people because probably a bunch of people had Xander. So um, dodged a bullet there. And when he hit it in the water on 16, I let out the biggest scream in my house. My wife was like, "Are you crazy?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm crazy. I am crazy. Deal with it. It's okay." But so yeah. I know you also sell some of your picks uh, through Sports Pub. Mm-hmm. How'd those do this weekend? We went two and two on those on the daily matchups, okay. which is fine. Fifty percent. I would prefer a little bit higher, but I guess two, two of two or two right, two wrong is pretty good for a tournament. You know. Yeah. Um, over the long term, we've done better than that. So uh, those bets in particular were I had Hideki over Xander Shoffley in round three. That was a big one. So that was plus one twenty five for Hideki. He was actually the underdog against Xander in the third round. He smoked him. Yep. Webb Simpson over Joaquin Neiman. Webb Simpson minus one twenty nine over Joaquin. Round four. Webb shot two under seventy. Joaquin fell back big time. Shot four over. So that was an easy win as well. So those were the two that I won. I had a lot of other bets that won. I had Matt Wolf missing the cut. We talked about that. That hit at plus one twenty. I had Molinari missing the cut because he's been playing terrible, but he actually made it, made the cut, so I lost that one. I had a top 20 bet on Cam Smith, that one. I put a top 20 bet on Hideki, that one, but I didn't have him as a tournament winner. It's okay. And then Spieth, top 20. I was like, there's no way Spieth doesn't top 20. So I bought that to kind of cover some of my bet on the winner bet for Spieth. That that, makes sense. No, that hit. It It was minus 300, but... You know what? There was no way he wasn't going to be top 20. Overall, your bankroll got a lot bigger this weekend. Yeah, I'm playing with the house money for the rest of the year now. I love it. How'd you do? So I just do DraftKings, uh, and I killed it this weekend. <laughs> I won all but one. I played dailies, and I played the weekly, and I finished in the money in all except for Saturday. So it was a uh, it was a great weekend for me. For the six guys I had for the whole week, I had Xander, Spieth, Fitzpatrick, Casey, Connors, and then Sergio, who missed the cut, really let me down there. But mm. I still finished in the money across the board all weekend. So that was uh, – it just makes it so much more fun. And you did your normal, like, 50-50 so that you kind of cover – you know, the daily fantasy stuff can get a little tricky. But what you did, you did your 50-50. I do my thing. 50-50. So if I'm putting in – let's say I enter two tournaments for $25 total. Mm-hmm. I'll enter a $25 50-50 because I'm – I'm pretty confident I'm going to finish in the top 50% in mm-hmm. any DraftKings golf matchup to where even if I lose the ones where I'm trying to win a million dollars, I still walk out with my bankroll being exactly where I walked in with it. Because it doubles up. Like you yeah. put 25 in, you, you I walk finish out in with the top 50. 50, you double up. Yep. So, so I mean, it, it covers your bet. It does. But even my, my ones in the bigger pools placed in the money this weekend, so I added to my bankroll as well. Nice. So we both had a good week. We did. This is a great week. Let's we're, do this every week. Can we I, do the Masters every week? Hey, we're going to do betting every week. This is what we're here for. This is what we're here to help people with. Okay. It may not be the Masters, but we're going to do this every week. We're going to do with the RBC Heritage this week up okay. in Hilton Head. Uh, my guy, Webb Simpson, probably my favorite professional golfer that I follow, returning champ, shot 22 under last year for the tournament champion, but it was in a different month. It was in June last year. Yeah, this was one of the rescheduled events. Actually... I don't know if this was the first. It was one it of was. the first that they rescheduled once the pandemic, once we started figuring some things out, and they were able to put on a tournament, get back to playing golf. So I, when I went to look at who's in this field, I thought it'd be light coming off the Masters. I thought they'd be a little tired, kind of like I am after watching golf for about 
15 hours a day the last four days, but they're not. It's a stacked, stacked group that's playing. You're going to see DJ out there again, maybe if he doesn't withdraw. You've got Hatton, Candelay, Berger, uh, the best hair in the game, Tommy Fleetwood. Connors is back at it again. I think this might be four or five weeks in a row for Connors. And then Will Zalatoris, who I personally will be rooting for to win every week going forward. Hmm. Bryson's in this field. He has a top 10 last year in the June event. He has two top fives and two missed cuts over the last five years. So he's a, he's a coin flip. This a is a bit feast or famine with him. Right. This is a tournament that favors shorter guys. You don't need to be a bomber out here this week. So past champions include Webb Simpson, CT Pan, Wesley Bryan, probably the only guy on tour that likes Taco Bell as much as I do. <laughs> Brennan Grace, Furyk's won it twice. Boo Weekly. Um, Not long hitters. No, ball none strikers. of them. They're ball strikers. I, I would almost say they're ball workers. These are almost every single one of these guys are touch players that can work the ball both ways. Mm-hmm. So when you're out there placing your bets this weekend, that's the kind of guys that I would like to ride. So the guys that can swing swing you, it either way. Who are you thinking? Like, have you, t- you know, you probably did a little bit of early research, obviously. Like, who do you, who do you like? I did. Kuchar's won this twice, so I'm... I like Kucher and Abraham Answer. Even though it was a June event, so it was a little different last year. I like Abraham Answer. I am not picking DJ this week. He's the odds-on favorite at plus eight hundred. Bryson's at plus twelve hundred, right behind him. I'm not touching DJ with a ten-foot pole. He's kind of in the Rory category for me right now. Where until they show their game is back where it was this time last year, there's not none of my hard-earned money is going towards those guys. What about you? I think somebody to pay attention to is Corey Connors. His track record is not overly stellar there, but he's a ball striker. You saw it this weekend. He got a lot of coverage, and they kept talking about he's one of the best. He just doesn't generally putt very well. But he finished tied for 21st last year in June. He did miss the cut in 2019, but he's been coming in in good form, been playing really well. I'm going to pay attention to him. Kind of an early look at him. I'm going to do a little bit more research before I actually put a bet on him, but somebody I think we should all kind of pay attention to. This is a guy I'm about to tell you that is probably not really on many people's radar. Michael Thompson finished tied for 34th at the Masters, so made the cut at the Masters. I didn't even know he played in the Masters. Yep. Finished tied for 8th at the RBC in 2020 in June. The year before... 2019, tied for 10th. The year before, tied for 42nd, 2018. So I got to do a little bit more digging on him, too, uh, to check out his recent form. But he kind of ticks the box of, like, a couple top 10s the last that's, two years That's a good there. top 10, so top He clearly likes this place. Sure. Clearly likes this place. So I'm going to take a look at those two guys, and, of course, I'll do a little bit more of an in-depth analysis and release some picks later this week. I can't wait to, to see that. Everybody, check us out on sportspub.com. We'll have an article this week previewing the tournament. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. I would love a five-star review. You'd really help us out. We're just two everyday guys trying to get this going. Uh, Cash out with the coaches tomorrow, 8 o'clock Eastern time on YouTube. Please check it out. They had a a good week this week as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, Travis was featured on PJ Tour as the one covering Hideki's swing. He did a really good breakdown. Oh, I didn't even see that. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, so Travis, who does the 8 o'clock show tomorrow night, literally used by the PGA Tour to break down Hideki's swing. So the odds are he probably knows a little bit more than we do about what's going on out there. Anything else? 
no, that's it. What a great week. Hopefully we don't come off this Masters high and have, you know, the RBC, it's always hard to follow up the Masters, but I do think, like, the folks that are in the colder states are now fired up. They're ready to go. They, It's golf season now, baby. It's officially started. It started for us here in Florida a little while ago, but for the rest of the country, most of the country, this is it. This is the prime time. We've got the more majors. we got a major every month or so for the rest of the season and then into the FedEx Cup. Can't wait. Great time to be alive. It's going to be awesome. Get your bets in and have a great week, everybody. See ya.